Welcome to St. Stephen's Anglican Church in Bomaderry. It's wonderful that you can join with us today. Uh, my name is Toby. I'm the pastor here. We're up to Micah chapter 6. Uh, probably we're going to come to the most famous verse in Micah. Uh, but it starts with God reminding his people Israel that they're on the wrong track. He starts by calling them out. Now let's read uh, together. Micah chapter 6 from verse 1. Listen to what the Lord says. Stand up, plead my case before the mountains. Let the hills hear what you have to say. Hear you mountains, the Lord's accusation. Listen you everlasting foundations of the earth for the Lord has a case against his people. He's lodging a charge against Israel. My people, what have I done to you? How have I burdened you? Answer me. I brought you up from Egypt and redeemed you from the land of slavery. I sent Moses to lead you and also Aaron and Miriam. My people, remember what Balak, king of Moab, plotted and what Balaam, king of Beor, answered. Remember your journey from Shittim to Gilgal, that you may know the righteous acts of the Lord. God starts by reminding them or asking them a question, what's going on? Have you forgotten, people, all the things that I've done? It seems like it's, like it's a huge effort for you to actually be in relationship with me, like I'm burdening you. But God's, God's pointing out, I'm the one who's done all the work. Remember what I did. I redeemed you from Egypt. I set these leaders to guide you. I was with you and did all these wonderful, marvelous acts along the way to protect you and give you victory and bless you. I haven't burdened you. But that seems to be the way the people are treating God. As though being his people is hard work. It's a burden that they'd just rather do something else. God is calling them, calling them out on this. And then... We have a response. Now, whether this is Micah himself who speaks or whether he's speaking kind of on behalf of the people, uh, it's not exactly clear. But what it is showing, it is voicing out this question, well, if that's the wrong way to respond to God, if it's not too hard, how can people live in relationship with God? What's the right way? And so Micah keeps Speaking in verse 6, with what shall I come before the Lord and bow down before the exalted God? See, what's the appropriate way to respond? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings, with calves a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams, with 10,000 rivers of olive oil? Should I give? Should I make a sacrifice? Should I do something costly as thousands of rams and 10,000 rivers of oil? Well, that's got to be costly. It's a lot of oil, isn't it? Or even more costly than that, shall I offer my firstborn for my transgression, 
the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul. Is that the appropriate way to respond? To make a costly sacrifice, the costliest sacrifice of all. To give up your firstborn child. Is that what it looks like for God's people to respond? The answer is no, isn't it? But God hasn't placed a burden on this people. He has done the work of redeeming them, of making them his own. He doesn't want to be bought off with sacrifices. Uh, See, the mindset that you can respond to God in a kind of like transaction just doesn't work. God doesn't want to kind of receive something in exchange in a simple transaction sense for what he has done in redeeming them. He doesn't kind of even out the scales and make things fair. You can't kind of balance out, well, God has done this, therefore I need to do this, and it's all square. You can't treat God like a shop where you make a transaction. No. It's not about you and what you can do. Uh, That's the trap of human pride. That's the trap of religion. Religion in the sense of people trying to do things to please God, to earn his respect, to earn his favour to make ourselves good enough for him. No, that doesn't work. That's not the answer. What is the answer? What comes in verse 8 in this famous verse from Micah. The response is this. He has shown you, O mortal, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? To act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. What is the right response to God? How should his people live because he has redeemed them, because he has made them his own? They should act justly and love mercy and walk humbly with their God. It's not about a transaction. God wants them to live in relationship with him, doesn't he? To walk humbly with them and to to start to take on his priorities. To want to be like him. To reflect his character. And so to act justly because he is just. And to love mercy as he is merciful. These are things that are important to him. And they should be important for the people who are in relationship with him. Now this justice and mercy, are this, these are the things that are in exact contrast to the way God's people have been living, the way we've already seen them 
living in Micah, especially their leaders. They've not been being just. They've been actually unfair. They've been perverting true justice for selfish gain. They have not been merciful, uh, looking out for the needs and for the with kindness, using what power they have to be able to do good instead of enforcing the letter of the law, giving the the most or the worst that people deserve. This has not been what's characterizing this people. But that characterizes God. God is just and merciful. Now, these kind of things sometimes seem like opposites, don't they? Justice is doing what is fair and right all the time. But being showing mercy is is not demanding what is deserved, isn't it? It's not enforcing the harsh sentence, but it's relenting. And yet, these are both characteristics of God, that he is always just, perfectly fair. It is wrong to let evildoers go unpunished. And yet God's great desire is that his people would not be punished as they deserve. He is determined to love them and be kind to them, to show mercy to them. And so we get these twin themes throughout Micah, that he has promised judgment is coming that they will get what they deserve. And yet also, he is promising restoration. He is promising hope. He is promising life and blessing and goodness to people who do not deserve it. And Micah here is saying this is the appropriate response, is to be like God in this way, to act justly, Keep doing what is right, but to love mercy. And to walk humbly with God. Now, I want to reiterate this, I've mentioned it briefly, but this is this is the response of God's people when he has already made them his own. Micah is not setting out here the bar for what you have to do in order to be one of God's people. It's not that you have to show God's character by being just and merciful. You don't have to attain a certain level of humbleness, humility in the way that you live your life so that God will give you the tick of approval and you can be his. No, these are his chosen people that he's speaking to. And ultimately, if that was the case, none of them would make it, would they? We've heard how they've been denounced. They wouldn't be just enough or merciful enough or humble enough. They have been walking in the wrong way. 
No, it is God's act himself that makes people his. Was God redeeming his people Israel from Egypt? And ultimately it is God's act in his son Jesus. that brings sinful people, people who are unjust, people who are lack mercy. It is ultimately through Jesus that people who have been walking proudly can be, can become his. And it's at this point that we see God's justice and mercy most clearly, isn't it? We see God's justice in that he is unwilling to let sins just go unpunished. We see his mercy in his desire, his desperate desire for people, sinful people, to not get what they deserve. How does he figure it out? Well, he still punishes the sin, but he lets that punishment fall on himself or on his own firstborn. He offers his own firstborn for our transgression. So that sinful people like you and me can become his. That is the wonderful news of the gospel, isn't it? The gospel of Jesus Christ. God is just and merciful. And he calls us to be his, to accept this sacrifice and then to live in light of it, to be in relationship with him. It's not a transaction thing. We can't repay him for what he has done. Even if we had a 1,000 bulls, rams, and 10,000 rivers of olive oil, it wouldn't be enough, would it? How could you hold that up and say, well, this is kind of equivalent to the life of your son. It doesn't work, does it? You can't just pay God off and think it's all square and just go on doing what we want. No. We're called into relationship with God and to walk in relationship with God, to walk humbly. Now, this is, this is the trickiest part. Walking humbly. Because I think to some degree we can, we can get what justice is and we can get mercy and we can get, we can work at those things and practice those things in our life and build up our understanding of those things. Uh, but what usually happens is that as we focus more and more on justice and think that we're understanding it better and seeing ourselves practicing it more and more, we start to get a higher and higher opinion of ourselves, And we notice, oh, I'm getting pretty good at doing justice, caring about justice. We start to puff up our chest a little bit more. We start to lift up our head. And like the rooster... On top of the coop, we start to look down on others around us who maybe aren't as concerned with justice as we are. 
And the same can happen in mercy, showing mercy, loving mercy, that we can practice it and desire it and pray for it and build organizations that are built around this principle of showing mercy. But our tendency to pride can still show itself as we look at the things that we're doing and see that as a reflection of our own importance. Look at all the people who have been shown mercy. That's that's because of me, because of what I've done. It's easy for a humble walk to just transform into a strut without our noticing. God calls us to be his. He does what is required to make us his in giving his son, fulfilling his justice and mercy. And he calls us into a relationship with him to reflect what he is like, but to walk humbly with him in relationship. And this relationship is key, I think, because if we are in relationship with someone, what does it mean? It means that we're oriented towards them. That it's a, it's a turning away from ourself towards someone else. Now, this is especially true with God when we're walking with God who's the creator, the sustainer of all life, who is almighty, who knows all things. It's hard to be conscious of that and kind of still be looking down, isn't it, when you're walking with God? You have to look up. To God. But it's not just the looking up that helps us be humble. It's just it's the looking out for someone else. That we practice in all our relationships. As we walk humbly with God, we should be walking humbly with each other. As we orient our lives towards them, in acting justly for their sake, in being merciful for others' sake. We look to them and their needs and it becomes not about us. The more we focus on others, the more we focus on the God that we're walking with, the less our pride grasps onto our own actions our own importance. It's so easy. Oh, like I, I struggle with this, that I see the things that I do, I see, I hear the things that I think in my head, don't even bother doing, but just the way, it's the thought that counts, right? I think I'm so just and so humble, and so, I'm sorry, not so humble, I'm so just and so merciful and, I'm so important. It's so easy to to focus on myself. It's so easy to just play the reel of the things that I've done, the things that I'm good at. But the right way to walk 
as God's people is humbling. Now, I want to call you to think about how are you walking as one of God's people? Are you walking humbly? Are you growing in acting justly and being merciful and humility? If you don't know, here's a tip. Ask someone else. That might, if you can't ask someone else, that may be a clear pointer right there that you're not humble enough. You're struggling with humility. Uh, but some other people often have a, a better perspective, don't they? Honest. They can spot our pride. They can smell it a mile off. When we're blind to it, it's caught up in our own pride. What areas of life are you most caught up with pride? Is it knowledge-related, special area of expertise? Is it work-related, family-related? Is it stuff-related, achievement-related? What is it? We need to keep striving for humility. We need to do it together, remember? Together. And, and particularly at this point in time, I wanted to challenge you uh, to think about how we are walking humbly together uh, in, a, in a society that is very, very soon going to experience a divide. Uh, the, the government is, is making different rules and arrangements for those who are vaccinated for those, from those who are not. Uh, whichever group that you fall into, uh, it will be easy to look at the decisions you've made, the thought process you've made, and to look down on the other group because they haven't seen things the way you've seen things. They haven't made the decisions that you've made. They haven't maybe thought what was right in the same way you've thought that. As we experience this difference and as even there are people with, within our church who fall on both sides, I want to challenge you to walk with humility together. We don't get caught up in pride, looking down on others. But that we walk with our God humbly and with each other, humbly seeking to be just and merciful, seeking to love each other, especially those who differ from us. Well, Micah reminds us that there is a right way to walk as God's people. Monty Python reminds us that some walking is, looks ridiculous. 
But you know what? The most ridiculous walk isn't kind of getting your ankle up to head height uh, using too much energy, messing around. The most ridiculous walk will be that walk that is seen on the day of judgment. The walk of those people whom God has called to be his and yet they have walked proudly away on their own, not willing to be in relationship with him. Too intent on strutting, they are unwilling to walk humbly with God. That is the silliest walk. And let me pray that it won't be us. Lord God, we thank you for these words uh, from Micah 6, for his warning and, and his reminder about the right way to walk as your people. Uh, please, God, please help us to walk more and more humbly with you, in relationship with you, and leaving out, reflecting your characteristics, especially your justice and mercy. Please make us more like you. Especially help us to do this together and protect us from that proud walk that would walk alone rather than walk humbly with you. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, friends. thinking about our pride and the way we live. Uh, if you are anything like me, you have not reached perfect humility yet. Uh, and so I want to invite you to pray with me this prayer of confession where we acknowledge our failings to God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we praise you for adopting us as your children and making us heirs of eternal life. In your mercy, you have washed us from our sins and made us clean in your sight. Yet we still fail to love you and serve you as we should. Forgive us our sins and renew us by your grace that we may continue to grow as members of Christ in whom alone is our salvation. Amen. That's a wonderful truth, isn't it? That God has sacrificed once for all his own firstborn, for our transgressions. Now we are his, we are forgiven, shown mercy.